Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to The Dead Parental Podcast, a podcast designed to open up the conversation surrounding grief and to ensure young grievers feel less alone. I'm Catherine Hooker and I speak with young adults from all over the world whose lives have been impacted from losing a parent at a young age. The good, the bad and the banter. So a few of you may have already heard this story. On this week's episode we have Mira and Anne back again. Um, so this week's episode actually went out a few weeks ago. It was our 57th episode I think. Unfortunately there were some audio issues so a few of you may have listened to it but not have actually been able to have got the full impact of Mira's story. Basically all the great things that she had to say about her experience of grief. So luckily, Mira and I have finally managed to get on to re-record this episode. Obviously, it's a little bit different the second time round. Um, I think it's actually better. Like Mira's got some brilliant things to say, especially with the current situation going on at the moment. I don't want to say it out loud. <laughs> um, so yeah, I really hope that you guys enjoy listening to this. If you have already heard Mira's story, please try and listen because you might just find you get more from listening to this one. Um, thank you so much and enjoy the episode. So my name is Mira. I am from London and I am 33 years old. I have to think about that. I <laughs> uh, live with my her, my husband and my two-year-old son, whose name is Shayan. And I am affiliated to the Dead Parent Club because I lost my father. Um, it will be 18 years ago this year, well, in a couple of months. So, yeah, so, um, yeah that's, that's me in a nutshell and, and why I'm here. Does it does it feel like eighteen years ago? Because I, I can imagine. Yeah. Sounds like it's such a long time in terms of. Yeah. It's like a an adult, right? It's you know it's the age <laughs> of an adult, which is so weird. When yeah, I, I guess it's probably the first time I've actually said it as eighteen years. Because it's not eighteen years yet. It's eighteen yeah. years in June. So. Yeah, I think it's because I think because eighteen is such a monumental age for us. So like it seems like a big. A big number, I suppose. It does, it? and actually, just saying it right now is making me think. Yeah, it does because I think this is the first time I've said it as eighteen because mm. it hasn't quite reached it. 
So, yeah, I mean, in answer to your question, does it feel like 18? It does feel like a long time ago. It, it really does. It it no longer feels like it was yesterday. Um, if I really think about it, then there are some aspects to it that probably does feel fresher. But it does feel like a a part of my past now, especially since my life has taken other turns more recently with having a, a baby and those things can really take over your life. So even though it was, it's still the biggest thing that's happened to me, losing losing my dad, especially at the age of, of 16, I was at the time, it's now feels like a lifetime ago. And also I've lived now over half my life without him. So yeah, if so I think crazy. about it like that, it, it was a massive chunk of time ago now. So um, yeah. So yeah. So you said obviously you lost her when you were 16. So basically, well, you know, what happened? Like, how come you lost her when you were so young? So it was it was sudden and he was generally healthy. He did have um, type 2 diabetes, but otherwise he was, he was okay in himself. He didn't have any other sort of health conditions which were sort of leading to his death. So um, well, in a nutshell, he, he was fine one particular day. He'd gone to bed fairly early that night around sort of 7.30, which, I mean, he was an early sleeper, but that was a bit early for him. Um, and then about three in the morning, my mum comes to and wakes me up and says that um, my dad has quite quite severe stomach pains. And, I mean, I guess I didn't really take it too seriously at first, but for her to wake me up, I thought, okay, you know, once I sort of, you know, jolted out of bed, I kind of realised, well, actually, for her to wake me up, um, it must be a big deal. And she says she's calling the ambulance, and she said, do you, do you want to come with us? And in all honesty, I was, there was a part of me who was just thinking, oh, I just want to stay in bed, you know, like <laughs> I, the, the, the night before, or two nights before I'd had like my sort of post GCSE boat party and I was just shattered. Ah, yeah. So tired. And I was like, oh, really? Stomach pains. But I, I, did, <laughs> I did get out of bed and I'm so glad I did. But yeah, I'm sad to admit that there was a part of me that just thought, let me just go in bed and I'll wake up and they'll be home. But anyway, so I did, I joined them and, um, what uh, what happened was he'd had some reaction to his diabetic medication which had caused him to have acid building up in his in his stomach which is what caused him to have the pain um when we found that out it didn't feel very serious in my you know I thought okay fine you know he's got a bit of side effects he'll, he'll be okay but one by one all his organs started shutting down from this acid building up and by eight o'clock he'd had a cardiac arrest and then a second and then a third which uh unfortunately oh. killed him so yeah it was very sudden from 3 a.m being woken up to eight something and um, being dead was pretty that, uh, pretty horrific that must have been so scary as a 16 year old just like watching your dad kind of deteriorate and go through so much trauma in such a short period of time absolutely yeah I mean just talking about it now just makes me think in shock I can't believe I went through yeah. that you know even even though I know I went through that talking about it it's like did I really go through that? Like, wow. Um, uh, you know, especially because now I, I don't relive it in the way I'm telling you right now very mm. often at all. I mean, it's so, so seldom now really that, mm. yeah, it was, it was this massive shock and to see him deteriorate in such a short space of time. But I unfortunately wasn't able to be with him during those five hours after he'd gone into ITU. We weren't allowed to be with him in the last couple of hours of his life, unfortunately. Aww. Um, we were we were a couple of rooms away when I'm say we as like me and my mum, but um, yeah. it was it wasn't appropriate for us to go in. My mum had asked several times if she could, but it, it, for you know for whatever reason, obviously that was a, it would probably be, would have been disruptive for them. 
so I I was with him before that um, from about 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. but not not after that but and in that point I didn't it, it didn't seem like he would deteriorate that much he was in pain but he was still completely you know awake and conscious um, in those first two hours I didn't I couldn't have anticipated that the deterioration would have gone so significantly in the next two hours so um so, yeah. so I'm guessing you I'm guessing you didn't have any kind of I don't know I'm saying this in inverted commas like kind of final conversation or anything then you didn't have any no like, unfortunately even when um, the doctors had told us that there were that he'd had two cardiac arrests one we weren't still allowed to go in and see him and two I still wasn't wasn't thinking that it was going to lead to mm. him dying actually um well, especially you wouldn't would you like when no. it's such, you know it's especially when you're 16 as well like you don't that's what I think what people forget is that when we're so young like that you do not comprehend your parent dying when you're that age Absolutely, like you, yeah. so, you read it in book you read it in books don't you that like, your parents get to see your that you're like their grandchildren and they die when they're really old and like you think that's reality and it's not absolutely my experience with death before that had been sort of exactly that you know my my grandfather who had you know seen seen us and you know he lived until he was in his late 70s so I I hadn't seen it directly of course you, you I have heard about it through other people but less so at the age of 16 so even though a cardiac arrest is a big deal and I in hindsight maybe should have thought that you know something could have happened enough to maybe try and force the doctors to let me see him but you know especially since he'd survived one of the cardiac arrests so I thought when he had then survived a second I thought he'll be fine I just saw him two mm. hours ago so yeah True. I never would imagine yeah I, I I have I can't comprehend the kind of like how scary and traumatic that has been in, in a hospital and kind of going through all that as a family like it's difficult I mean the um, shock sort of numbs you in the moment right so the shock yeah. lasted for a long time so even though at that point when we were told that he passed away it was still I didn't cry immediately because I was just in a state of shock I was in this out-of-body experience kind of thing I felt like I was just not there difficult to explain but it's yeah it took took time to digest I mean I mean in the long term it took years to digest fully but in terms of the actual news of what happened just you know I couldn't get what was going on I needed more answers and you know you don't think of this yeah. time you know no definitely not so what did you do then after that obviously you had to go home like it must have been so strange for you and your mum to go back at that point very strange. My, um, I have an older sister who's five years older than me. So she was mm. 20, 21 at the time. She had just gone abroad to France just a few days earlier. So we had to phone her first and foremost. And we did keep her informed. So she did know a couple of hours prior that he was in hospital and and that he was, you know, deteriorating, but not to us. You know, we hadn't sort of pre-warned her because obviously we didn't, we weren't pre-warned. So yeah. Um, yeah. we had to make that phone call, which... um my mum my made the phone call actually which was which is obviously really hard especially for her not even being you know being there to see everything that was unfolding um and then she then arranged to come back later that day so she'd um arrived back in uh, in London at some point that afternoon I remember going picking her up from Stansted Airport um but yeah going home was it was so strange it was going back to the car I just walking with my mum in sort of silence holding her and starting to make some phone calls as well to members of our family, my dad's sister and uh, my dad's mum as well, my grandma. So, yeah, it yeah, it, 
kind of you're, you're sort of forced to sort of start that kind of process right of calling people and dealing with yeah. some of that kind of thing that the formalities you know, yeah and it's in within an hour I, there were people who descended on our house actually so which was great from a you know comfort and companionship point of view and our family coming together but you do not start to digest anything and you know until people start to leave your house which obviously takes sometimes can take weeks right so um so yeah it was just full steam ahead to like let's tell people and get my sister back home and you know start that kind of process and it just felt weird to start doing that I just again out of body experience really yeah so obviously you mentioned that it was just after your GCSEs and stuff so obviously you had that that whole summer to kind of digest this information and did you and your sister like kind of lean on each other much during that time obviously with her being older than you like did you feel like you could speak to each other about it yes I mean it was a I don't know if I can use the word blessing in situations like this, but I guess mm. after all these years, you can look at it as a blessing. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, but it's... We, we celebrate that in the DPC. Like we say, you know, like the positive things that come from such terrible tragedies, like they're, they're real, aren't they? You know, Absolutely, yeah, you're, you're right. And it, it does take you years, though, in my opinion, to sometimes see those things. But I am yeah. glad I had those probably two and a half months off school and same with my with my sister she was at university she was living away at the time but um but in that summer she was obviously at home so yeah to have that time to be together as a family and not have to be thrown into the routine of you know of of life was a a blessing we were able to lean on each other but there was a lot especially in the first sort of few weeks of practicalities and other things that needed to be done of course the funeral was a huge one but also mm. you know documents finances and dealing with that sort of thing so I think that there was a, a lot more of, of that so me and my sister were trying to help my mum with those sort of things and we were leaning on each other for for that sort of thing but I, I don't know how much I personally lent on them from an emotional perspective I think you kind of, when you're all going through, when you've all lost the same person, and I'm sure maybe you may resonate with that with your, with your brothers and with, with your, with your dad and things as well, that, you know, you kind of want to be strong for them, right? Especially for my mum. Like I wanted to, I didn't want to break down in front of her. Even now I I hardly do. And I think that's sort of left over from me, you know, shutting myself off um, 18 years ago, like, I wanted to be strong for her. I wanted her to be able to lean on me. So that was probably more more what happened. So it was lovely to be around each other, but I don't think we all sat down and just cried and, yeah, you know, yeah. together, you know, sort of hugging each other. It was more, I mean, I was sort of hugging my mum, but it was more her sort of leaning on on us and, and things. And she then, she had to go back to work within a few weeks, actually. So I wanted to make sure that I'm, you know, made her life as easy as possible and things so yeah so yeah it was it's a it's a lot of pressure for like a 16 year old to kind of have to do that yeah definitely I, I think I became an adult that day really I think I mean 16 yeah. sort of you're still a child really you're, you're you're feeling independent you're able to sort of take the bus on your own and go to the movies <laughs> but like yeah but you're not an adult really I mean even at 18 you're still on the cast but I definitely feel like that was the you know, the the first day of the rest of my life, like it was sort of, that's the mm. day my life, as I know it now started, because the, the, the mirror before that was a completely different person. And everything that I am now is probably 
started that day and probably a huge part of what I am now is as a result of what happened to me so so yeah being 16 and just sort of forced into sort of adulthood and taking some responsibilities in the family and also just to go through a grief like that um yeah really really makes you grow up in in a split second really yeah I love I love what you said then it was like the first day of your rest of your life because that's so true like and a lot of people in, in kind of the grief community say it that you have you have the life that you live now and you have the life that you lived before this like tragedy happened and you see them as like completely different time stamps don't you like that is like like I look back and think oh yeah so that was before my mum died like that's like the one of the biggest time stamps in my life that I refer back to when I'm kind of thinking back to a certain memory absolutely yeah I mean me and my mum we, we still do that now with so many things it's like oh when did we buy that car was it bef- was it when my dad was around or not like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all centered around that day in 2002 it's uh it, it's crazy how we do that and when we when we talk like that even now it doesn't feel sad when we say you know before he died or after he died it's just become a part of our conversation now literally like, yeah just like it's like a normal thing that we talk about as a family in terms of it's like yeah it's like saying it's like it's oh that was just before I started school like it's yeah. it just rolls rolls off your tongue just yeah just like that it's so it strange I mean I wouldn't be able to say that with anyone else though only with my mum and my sister like I think if I came out yeah because <laughs> I'm like I'm not used to sort of talking about it with my friends like in that sort of kind of open candid way like oh yeah did I move to my house yeah I moved after my dad died I think if I just came out with that now they'd just be like oh right and then it just kind of clam up so yeah. it's only with like my mum and my sister and you know maybe at times now my husband but um but yeah so it's just you know you kind of get used to the way you talk with certain people right about certain things yeah like this yeah it's like so obviously that you mentioned then that you probably wouldn't say that kind of thing in, fr- in front of your friends so obviously with you still being a teenager really then d- did you speak to anybody about it other than your sort of family or get any support from anybody around that time so um I mean, it was a 16 is quite an interesting time. Like, you, like, like I mentioned earlier with GCSEs and A-levels, you're sort of, you know, you're thrown into, when I went back to school a couple of months later, you're sort of thrown into A-levels and the fun of school and so forth. So, and also other people at 16 years old aren't the type of people to like kind of talk about grief if they haven't gone through it themselves. Uh, it's very much, I mean, even adults, probably not very much so either. So <laughs> I did have, I did have one, one friend who hadn't gone through a grief like, like it actually, but was, it was very sort of um, there for me. I mean, everyone was there for me, of course, all my friends, but in terms of literally asking, how are you, you know, like, how are you? How are you feeling? Like, that's the kind of thing that she, that, that, that particular friend um, did say, but so I was very lucky to have her. But everybody else, it was very much sort of, look, um, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm here for you if you need me. And then that's kind of it, really. And, of course, their intentions were wonderful, but I'm not going to then pick up the phone and be like, oh, okay, you know, you said two months ago that, you know, you're here for me. Well, you know, I need you right now. Like, I wasn't comfortable with doing that with the majority of my friends. So, like, I did have that one friend. but um, And to be fair, even to this day, we're, we're still, she's still one of my best friends. And if something does come up, she will still ask me now, even after all these years, which is which is pretty wonderful. And I'm quite lucky for that. But the majority of people know not so much. And also, I just thought that that's just the way it is. You know, people don't talk about it. Get on with life. It's A-levels. And then I went to university and you meet a new bunch of friends at university. And I found that a bit of a challenge because no one at university knew what happened. 
so everyone was brand new there so it was like oh do I do I say to people like <laughs> you know you know because you know, after a while you don't come out with it on the first time you meet people right not no, like, oh, no. Hi, my name is Mira. You know, my dad is dead. I my dad died two years ago. <laughs> no, you don't say that, right? And two years wasn't that long, really. Um, it was no. still so fresh. And, you know, because I moved away from home for uni. So that was quite hard to do, especially sort of leaving my mum because my sister was also still away um, from home as well. So it was quite hard, hard to do that. But yeah, it took me um, about six, seven months to tell my friends at uni that my dad had passed away, which was quite a long time actually so I'd always I'd started being friends with people in the first term and in my head I was like when do I tell them and then after oh. a few months had passed I was like it's kind of a bit too late now I felt I was I was I was literally talking as if my my parents were my parents like I'd be like oh yeah I'm going back home this weekend you know in my parents house and, and I just kind of stopped like that and I told them I remember like the like uh, end of the second term and they were so shocked and it I, I was like, yeah, they were like, but we've known you for like six months and you haven't said anything. And I was like, <laughs> I just built this thing up in my head and it became such a thing. Like I had to go and sit them down one by one and be like, guys, I've got something. Oh God. It was, it was such a weird conversation to me. They were like, what the hell's going on? Why are you sitting us down and arranging this meeting? So yeah, that I found really hard. And in hindsight, I don't know why I waited so long, but I, again, I was still young. I was only 18 at that point. So yeah, it was, it was tricky. Now it's different because... I'm more comfortable with saying that quite early on now, if it comes up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, we wouldn't say it like kind of like without kind of needing to. Yeah, but if it comes up quickly, I'm comfortable with saying it. But at that point, I wasn't, so that was quite a challenge actually. And so, so if did you know have those conversations with your friends when they kind of ask you like what your parents do or anything? So, like I mean, that? at university, I would just say what my dad did at that point. Wow. So, yeah, that must I have just, been so difficult. I just couldn't I wasn't used to it because everybody at school knew what had happened. It had gone through the whole year yeah. by, the, in, by the end of the summer holidays. So when I got back, even though not everyone obviously said anything to me, I knew that everyone knew the teachers knew everything. So uni was the first real time that I was making actual meaningful friendships with people who needed to know what had happened in my life. And I found that really mm. hard to deal with. So I just lied. <laughs> Not lied, but... Um, yeah, I get I get what you mean. The truth for my own comfort and their comfort, maybe for their comfort as well, you know, because I didn't really know how to do yeah. it. Yeah. We're, 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 so, we're so bad for doing that, for like giving people, like making it easier for them to deal with. <laughs> so I know. Funny. Yeah, I remember one of my friends from uni, I felt like I when I told her, she burst into tears and I wasn't even in tears. <laughs> and I'm like... Don't oh, worry. I'm so sorry for making you cry. And I was thinking, why am I sorry? Like, I, I didn't. It's know. so weird. It's so weird. It, it was so weird. I was a bit surprised. Also, mm. I was like, oh, you know, bless you. But um, yeah, it's just didn't know. I didn't know how to deal with it. And I felt like I was comforting her, and I felt I just apologized for telling her. Like, and I was like, why? Yeah, you? which which you shouldn't have to do. Like, it's it's strange. Yeah, no, I know. Um, yeah, obviously, like, so my mum passed away when. I was at university mm. um I kind of it, what should have been the start of my third year um so like I already had a, a big circle of friends there yeah. um and I was part of a low like a my university split into colleges um and I was so as part of my college I was on like the junior exec for that college so I organized events and stuff so I knew a lot of people in a lot of different circles and um so when I came back after uni everybody basically knew about what had happened 
And I think one of the biggest things for me was them being known as the girl whose mum died. And I, I remember crying on nights out, like, I don't want to be like known as the girl whose mum died forever. And the reality is, is that one, yes, I probably kind of was, because people that don't know you that well probably would look at you and be like, oh, that's that girl whose mum died the other week. But two, the people that actually do care about you obviously aren't just going to look at you like that. So it's yeah, not that big a true. deal. But that's how it must have felt for you, though, like going to school right like after your dad had died in those months after going to you know sixth form or whatever it must have been so strange coming back and everybody knowing what happened to you and you actually having had not had those conversations with them that's true actually for the people that so I hadn't seen for the whole summer yeah feel like that they might be thinking something or because no one really because I don't my, my close group of friends I had spent time with in the summer but everybody else no no one else had said anything to me apart from one girl who also lost her dad when she was 11. She came up to me in the sixth form common room and said, I heard what happened. And we had like a nice sort of maybe like an hour conversation. And oh. it was so it was so nice. I mean, she, we weren't good friends, but I remember when the whole year found out that her dad had died when we were in year seven. And I mean, that was awful hearing about it. But I never said to her, oh, I'm sorry for your loss, because... I was 11. I didn't know how to deal with it from, I, I didn't know how to say that. So I didn't say anything. And I then felt horrible when she came up to me in the sixth form co- common room and said, I'm sorry for your loss. And I just said to her, I'm so sorry for yours. And I didn't say it five years ago. Um, <laughs> but she wanted to come up to me because she knew what it's like. And she's also like, well, you know, you know, the only people that are going to come up to you, are the people that have also already gone through it really. So, uh, which is true actually, um, especially at that age anyway. So, yeah. um, and yeah, so I felt a bit like, oh yeah, everyone thinks that I'm, yeah, like you said, the one whose dad died over the summer or whatever, and people aren't going to know what to say or whatever. But and the thing about school and maybe university and stuff as well is you do, within a few months or less than that, you get thrown into just getting on with things, you know, I had to like, life. yeah, like you just have, and it's a fun age, right? I mean, I'd started learning how to drive within the next year and other things. So even though I was still deeply affected by what, by what happened there are massive distractions as a as a young you know as a teenager as a young adult and I mean there's always distractions in life really but definitely you know it's taking me a long time years and years to get away from those distractions and really try and digest it um yeah there's school there's university then there's getting a job and I met my boyfriend who's now my husband I've had a kid you know everything seemed to happen in a in a succession which is wonderful but have I really taken a step back and really analyzed it probably not really or, or it's I'm trying to now and I think finding your podcast on on Instagram and getting in touch with you and everything is all part of that process I think and yeah. um, it does take a long time I mean here I am nearly 18 years later and I'm I still feel like there's a lot more that I need to process about it and I think life well, can really get in the way life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if AI could fold your laundry and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I think, I think like you said, like, those times are kind of like the best times of your life and you achieve so much. But then I, th- I think as you get older, you kind of mourn all of those things that your parent didn't get to see you do that you are so proud of or you know, just those big monumental parts of your life that you see your friends, friends as parents, like celebrating them and everything. And it's it's hard having that taken away from you. And I think like personally, from my point of view, I struggle really badly with like jealousy. I am really jealous of my friends and the fact that they're able to have those relationships with their parents and their parents you know watch them succeed in all these different things and you know I think it's it's really difficult um kind of feeling I obviously feel proud of my friends and I'm so happy for them but I'm also just like the green-eyed monster (laughs) like massively absolutely I mean it must you know you must have then had to go through graduation right you started uni you know with your mom and then graduated you know that's such a Mm. massive like kind of milestone like you know like I like I said for myself with you know I'd done my GCSEs uh, with my dad I mean my GCSEs finished five days before he passed away and then I had to go and collect my results Mm. in August and you know without him and everybody else had their parents with them and it was oh it's absolutely horrible so not only was I missing him so much I I absolutely had that green-eyed monster that you you just described when I saw people opening their letters and hugging their dads and it was just it was like rubbing salt into a wound I mean it's not their fault of course I was so they're so lucky to be able to do that but I just couldn't see it at that time you know especially being so fresh but even now literally after, after all these years there are milestones now that are happening like you know like people getting married and if I go to a, a friend's wedding and there's the sort of father father walking the daughter down the aisle or father of the bride speech it's just it it really does like kind of tear in my heart, really. I mean, you know, the day-to-day stuff, like just seeing someone with their dad, not so much anymore. I mean, that probably doesn't trigger me in the same way now, but mm. the, the big milestones still, you know, still eat me up and transport me back to feeling like a little 16-year-old again who's just lost their dad. So it's uh, yeah, probably always happening to throughout life, really, with all the milestones that we're going to have to go through. I mean, what was it like for you then, obviously, your your firstborn now is you know he's still so young isn't he and that must still be so fresh having going through all of those first without his granddad being there like that's so difficult absolutely yeah I was um I was yeah I was quite sort of nervous as to know how I'd feel when I gave birth without sort of having my, my dad there like same with when I got married as well of course but uh I'd, I'd I remember when I was because I knew I was I'd be having him because I was induced for my I, my birth so I'd packed my uh, labor bag and I packed a picture of, of my dad and um, mm. I wanted to sort of feel like there was a part of him there with me and uh, when we found out it was it was a boy um, we, did, we didn't find out before we found out when he was born um, his middle name is my son's middle name is Robin which is uh, my dad's name so I just wanted I wanted I, I thought either way whether it was a boy or a girl I want to somehow incorporate my dad's name somewhere in there but it was obviously easier when um, well Robin's a girl's name as well I guess but so yes and my son's middle name is is my dad's name so that's kind of given me you know you kind of want to feel like there's a direct sort of 
link. <laughs> link that then my son can carry for the rest of his life as well. But it was it was really hard to, you know, to not have, you know, for Shay and my son to not have sort of all of his grandparents. You know, I was lucky enough to have four grandparents um, when I was born. And, you know, for him to start his life with just sort of three. I mean, he's still lucky to have the three, of course, but it was it was hard. And I got that sort of green eyed monster came back again when sort mm. of my my when his other granddad sort of came to see him and my, my father-in-law. And I mean, he's, you know, of course their, their relationship is wonderful and it's so nice, but I, I feel such a, I feel that jealousy and I, I've never felt that jealousy towards sort of my father-in-law before in anything else really. But no. in that moment, um, cause I never felt jealous that my husband's dad, I never really felt that really. I think I feel it more with girls and their dads, but with yeah. my son and his granddad it that I've I've got that back again and I, I don't like that I feel that way but I just really nothing else I can do about it it's just natural really but also just yeah just milestones and you know now he's two years old he's old enough to understand his grandparents and who they are and and everything so I'm trying to show him pictures and he knows who the person is in the picture and he can say sort of his name and everything but it's still I need to try and you know keep that going as he grows up and yeah, it's sad when I think about it, but I need to just try and keep the memory alive, really. My mum is very good at sort of talking about his granddad to him all the time. So, that yeah, really- that's the thing. I, f- I feel like women, not to kind of stereotype here, but I do feel like women are, are a little bit better at, you know, making a conscious effort to keep those kind of memories alive. And they understand that kind of the work that needs to be put in to make sure that happens. Because um, I, f- I don't know, I don't know whether. Like with with my brothers, my brothers are awful at that. They're awful at you know talking about our mom or anything like that. Whereas I'm always the one that brings it up and wants to kind of like my my brother and his girlfriend actually um had a baby a few weeks ago. Oh yes, congratulations! Which is, yeah, yeah, super exciting and really nice. Um, but like I kind of felt as soon as I arrived there and gave my, gave my brother a hug, I just felt the need to just say you know. Like mum would be so so excited and so happy for you right now like she'd be over the moon and I kind of feel like it's my responsibility to make sure that that is acknowledged in in those times because it's so important to make sure that their memory isn't forgotten and like to acknowledge the fact that they would be so happy about what's happening no absolutely yeah definitely so yeah it needs to be it needs to be said not just thought in my head I, I, I yeah. it anyway. like it's yeah. said out loud and um yeah, and then it kind of brings. I mean, because I'm sure your brothers or your brother as well, you know, who's who had the, um, your your nephew, but you're probably thinking it, but probably less likely to say it. So, you, yeah, you saying it sort of brings, you know, brings her memory alive, but just sort of brings everyone together, including including her in a way. You know what I mean? So, yeah, exactly. yeah, absolutely. So it's um, you're right again. I, yeah, I don't like to gender stereotype, but I think that's definitely, yeah, definitely true in a lot of cases actually. And my my mum is is great at um you know keeping my dad's memory alive and you know because who I live with at the moment I live with my son and my husband neither of which have met my dad right so yeah I'm in a house I'm in a new house this is not the house where my dad lived whereas like my mum still lives in the same house that we lived in at the time so you know I need to I'm conscious that my life is moving so forward you know with concentrating Mm. on my present and my future and my my child and it's nice then when I then talk to my mum and she in most conversations somehow my dad might come up actually and especially when we go back home there's him everywhere you know photos memories yeah so many memories so it's yeah I want to make sure that 
you know, I, that's kind of kept. And sometimes I do need my mum to, you know, remind me a bit because the people I'm hanging out with at the moment, none of them knew my dad. So, um, yeah, it's important to keep that keep that going, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think that's another good point, really. It's you know, another thing that I find difficult is kind of having such a deep and meaningful connection with somebody that mm. didn't know your dead parent. Like, it's, it's really hard. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it took me um, quite a few years to even talk through what happened with my dad to um, my husband, actually. Like, I'd, I didn't wait six months to tell him like I did with my uni friends. I, I think it took about four or five dates or something. But <laughs> when you're, like, like, when you're dating someone, you don't know them, and you sort of suddenly say, oh, yeah, by the way, my dad died seven years ago, which, which was what at the time. We weren't close enough to then go into detail, and he he didn't really ask, actually. He was sort of like, oh, right, okay. I didn't really say anything. And then the conversation just stopped. <laughs> And we just went and watched Avatar in the in the cinema for three, <laughs> three and a half hours, and then the moment's gone. And then fast forward like four years, uh, we're getting married, and I still haven't got into detail with him about exactly oh. what had happened. Like in terms of like even the stuff that I'm telling you right now, he didn't even know when we got married. And I mean, thinking back on it, that was kind of weird actually. But he hadn't asked, and he's not the type of person to talk about these kind of things. He'd not. He's never gone through maybe any form of grief remotely uh, similar to this he lost a granddad a long long time ago but otherwise no so he and also again not gender stereotyping but you know being a certain type of type of guy as well I think he's just not into talking about his feelings in general let alone mine (laughs) so um yeah it 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 took until my one of my um one of my best friends lost her mum nearly five years ago so when that happened, it was the first time such a close friend of mine had lost a parent. And it really affected me in, in, in massive ways, um, being sad for her, but also bringing up some things for me. And I had to I had to just talk to him. And it was the first time I'd spoken to him properly about my feelings in, in five years of knowing him. So, um, yeah, I told him what had happened with my dad. I told him we just sat down and spoke all night. And it was weird that it took so long to tell him. Um, and he felt yeah. really bad that we'd been together for so many years we've been married for one and we hadn't spoken about it and I was like you didn't you didn't ask me and he was like I don't I didn't know that you wanted to talk about it you should have just said you want to talk about it and I was like I, I would love to talk about it I could talk about this for years but <laughs> you're not asking me like it was, just, it was just a clash of communication which which is hard to think that you can have that with your own husband but but I did and thankfully we've opened this door now and I can feel like I can bring it up he's still not bring brilliant at asking a lot but I've just accepted that's just the way it is and it's my responsibility now to to bring it up like yeah I've even learned that with friends right like you can't even though I would love them to be able to be open about it and ask and so forth like you know that kind of saying be the change that you want to see in the world and yeah <laughs> blah, blah blah or whatever those kind of sayings are it's kind of true right like even if you tell people look I'd love it if you ask me like you can't you can't change that. They, they still won't. Like, they'll still feel so awkward about bringing exactly. it up. Exactly. I don't think anyone will really be able to unless they went through it themselves, to be honest. And as in be able to change the way they already are. I mean, if they were already like that, fine. But so even with my husband, I've learned to just sort of like, if I'm upset and I feel like crap about it or I need to say something specific, I just need to come out with it. And I've learned that I need to do that. And I'm not as as good with doing that with friends, in all honesty. I think that's really hard. But at least I've got that with him and... And there are less moments like that nowadays after all these years. It, obviously, it still happens, but it's less so. So, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. I completely, I completely get that. I think, you know, 
but my boyfriend listens to this listens to this podcast sometimes bless him and um <laughs> but, but I always think if it weren't for me doing this he probably wouldn't know 95 percent of the things that I have felt throughout my grief because you just don't have those conversations like in your no, day-to-day that's true. life that's true that's that's funny actually because you could be like oh how are you feeling but like, I've listened to my five podcasts and you'll know how I'm feeling literally <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's what he says he's like I get an idea of like how you are mentally throughout listening to your weekly podcast and I'm like yeah I get that <laughs> yeah and it's, it's, yeah that's that's a very good point actually it probably probably helps like I'm quite excited about sharing this with with my husband and I think he'll probably will find some things quite interesting um but also even even my, like I said my friends like only one particular friend I actually opened up to but otherwise everyone else I haven't really so this will be quite yeah I, I want to share it with them I don't necessarily think this will cause a long-term opening door Change. <laughs> you never know right but it, it, it's a stepping stone really and I, I would love to be able to and I think Maybe if this happened in adulthood, I might have been more receptive to trying to open up to people. But I think the age that I was and the circumstances of just kind of getting on with life and A-levels and everything, it was just, and this sort of immaturity of everyone else around me to not necessarily kind of ask and so forth meant that I then shut down. And it's really hard now with a friend that I've been friends with for 18 years to be like, oh, by the way, I just want to talk to you about how sad I'm feeling about my dad that died 18 years ago. Like they'd be like, oh, right, okay, (laughs) you've never said this to me in your life, like, I just can't do it now, right? Um, well, I, I, you, I could, but I, I'm, I'm not. It just doesn't feel comfortable. Yeah, I mean, that's that's totally fair. Yeah, but maybe 100%. they can this and know how I feel. So <laughs> this will do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the nice thing will be if it kind of opens up some conversations, which is the aim of this podcast in general with anybody that we speak to is just to encourage people to open that conversation with their friends and their family, and you know, just in general, just making awareness of the fact that yes, we've suffered a huge loss but we do want to talk about it so badly (laughs) exactly yeah and also this is great for anybody else out there that you know is in an isolated position as in like who has going through this and doesn't feel like they can talk to anyone and that's the beauty Mm. of uh social media nowadays the internet and things you can really feel connected like listening to a lot of your podcasts I have I have nodded along so many times I feel like my neck hurts when I listen to sometimes your podcasts. (laughs) like it's and I don't think I've ever felt like that because I've never had those conversations with anybody else. Like, yes, my my sister has gone through the same thing as me, but we haven't, like I said earlier, like we didn't really have full on emotional conversations about how we're feeling. You know, like we were there for each other in different ways, I felt. And uh, and again, now our lives have gone, you know, sort of, you know, into different directions with children and various things. So I mean, in terms of like not talking about this sort of thing as much, I mean, so so yeah, like it's, you know, if this helps somebody else out there to feel less alone, I think that's, I mean, that's how I felt listening to to you and all your guests. And that's another beauty of this thing, isn't it? So mm, doing great yeah, job. Massively. Oh, thank you. Um, Well, I suppose going on from that, like, do you think that it's changed the way that you go about your life now and your attitude towards it, especially kind of I suppose with your relationship with your son in particular, you know, you know how precious that that bond is now, I suppose, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's because of the suddenness of losing my dad, like sort of, you know, a few hours before he was absolutely fine. The the day before we were watching World Cup together and the next day he was gone, sort of the suddenness of it makes me really realise the fragility of life. I the amount of I mean, I always feel like I'm just gonna die tomorrow. I feel like everyone's gonna die tomorrow. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's 
yeah, you you need to kind of grab life. It's made me think, right? You know, you you know, YOLO, you only live once and carpe diem, all those kind of things. I, I've become a lot more like that. I don't, you know, don't put off anything um, for another day. If you, you know, if there's no good reason for it, that's it. So I've become a lot more spontaneous and, you know, just trying to just have as much fun as possible because I might die tomorrow. And, you know, I, I know that's, that sounds so morbid, but like, oh, no, I get that. I, get course, it. I know it, you totally get it. And most of the listeners will probably yeah. as well, but yeah like it's definitely made me a lot more more like that and and yeah like it's kind of made me feel a little bit more positive and I know again that feels a bit weird saying that when you've gone through something so negative but I think you know years of probably years have taken me to be like that but it's when you've gone through something so hard at a young age then I don't know like you don't sweat the small stuff afterwards you know like, I'm not going to get as angry about something so small. Cause I'm like, well, you know, I kind of, I was able to survive, you know, losing my dad so suddenly that I can survive anything kind of attitude, you know, not, not necessarily, but you know, that sometimes I feel, feel that way as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It kind of puts everything else into perspective on life. Like other kind of massively little things that may have got you down before. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm still going to get annoyed if I'm in a traffic jam or, yeah. <laughs> or you know, or whatever. You're only human. Yeah, exactly. But just yeah you if there are times where I feel a little bit like oh you know if I feel incredibly stressed or upset about something sometimes I do need to transport myself to you know back and it kind of makes me makes me feel like I can kind of get through this you you know what I mean um in answer to your question about sort of my son um yeah since becoming a parent it's really made you me think about my mortality you know for you know in terms of like for him like I don't want to leave him like a, you know, motherless. Um, same with yeah. like sort of, you know, with my husband, like I feel like his life is fragile. I mean, I've, again, like I felt like that ever since I met him. I felt like that with everyone really, that everyone could just go any minute. But even mm. more so now that we've got a sort of a, a dependent, you know, I'm sort of nervous about everything that we do. But I think that's natural as a parent to to feel that way. But I feel like that's been sort of exaggerated given given, you know, given my experience and things as well. And I also just want to make sure I spend as much time with him. Like my dad, I don't feel like I had really got to know him in those 16 years, especially at 16. You're, you're kind of at an age where you don't really look at your parents as your friends. You know, they're like, they're, 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 they're people who, you know, kind of tell you what to do or tell you that you can't go out or that kind of thing. Like it was, you know, you have a great relationship when you're little and when you're an adult, but in your teenage years, that you can easily go through a bit of a kind of clash period. And I think, I don't think I got to the stage where I really got to know him. And I, you know, obviously I regret that. And there's nothing I can do about that now. I can try and get to know him through, through my mum and memories, but I'm never going to get to know him, you know, properly. And I want to make sure that with my son, I, where, I mean, he's only two, but where possible, I, you know, try and get to know him and vice versa. So that if I do die prematurely, which I feel may happen just because I feel that all the time. Yes. <laughs> that, um, that he has as little regret as possible in things, you know, mm. like, um, you know, you can't, you can't, can't always like dwell on it. You know, I can't have done anything different at 16 really, but, um, but yeah, just sort of try and make the most of these moments with him as much as possible, even more so. And like my dad worked lots and things like that, you know, sort of wasn't always around very much. And I'm sort of quite conscious about the fact that I don't want to work full time. Obviously I know working's important. You know, just things like that. Just yeah. Be, yeah. be conscious about the fact that he's only young this once, is, right? 
this is just an example of like you know the positive things that can come from tragedy isn't it like you're way more aware of how important it is for you to build such a like meaningful relationship with your son which I think it's literally priceless like it's the most important thing you can do isn't it and I think that'll be the same situation for so many people like us in you know in the DPCs that when we do have children we're just going to have like bountiful amounts of love to give them just because we know that just because we know how fragile life is and I think that is one of the most amazing things that can come from something so terrible yeah absolutely yeah it's um you you see it is easy to sort of think about the negatives that could come out of it but I think as I've got Mm. older and stuff I'm learning from that all you know I'm learning from the do's and don'ts of things of yeah things I've learned from from such a tragedy you can end up turning it into yeah. positives going forward and um that's definitely definitely happened yeah yeah um well thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me I really appreciate it thank um, you very much for asking me to come on it's okay but before we finished I've got the final hero question which is what would you say to somebody else who has perhaps lost a parent at a similar age to when you lost yours so I would feel that some of the best things to say is try and try and let yourself talk, have an outlet as much as you can. It's, I mean, it's easier said than done, right? It can be really hard to, mm-hmm. especially if no one asks you, right? It can be really hard to sort of get bogged down with the sort of practicalities of sorting out funerals and everything next to your time has passed and you can't. But if there is somebody that you can talk to, a friend or um, a counsellor or, or anything like that, or even a, like a journal, like writing things down to outlet some sort of outlet sort of as early as possible really I think that's something which I I I think I I struggled with and I think in hindsight it would have been better to be able to have that kind of outlet as as much as possible even if you can't always find people around you um let yourself cry uh, is is one I think it's really easy to try and feel strong in inverted commas I I don't like the word strong you know people are so (laughs) so strong you're so strong (laughs) I've had no choice (laughs) I don't think being strong is a good thing. And if we teach people to be strong, it means we're teaching them to keep their feelings in and not letting them out. And it will come out at some Mm. point. It'll come out in 10 years, Mm. 20, 30 years. It'll come out in in a form of depression or anxiety or or something else, another part of their life. I think if you can get that out as early as possible, and of course you'll probably keep crying for decades to come, but, you know, letting (laughs) yourself do that is, is so important and don't try and, uh, don't try and be strong. Like I tried not to cry for the whole funeral um, just because I, you know, there's so many people that I just wanted to keep this kind of, you know, face on really. But uh, yeah, what, what, what was I trying to prove in in hindsight? Like what, you know, I don't know what, I probably cried myself to sleep that night instead. Like it was just, and it was probably worse in that way, right? Um, yeah. But on the plus side also, um, on the plus side, on the flip side, I mean, <laughs> also it's okay to laugh as well, like, and laugh about you know your loved one or talk about them in a in a happy your situation and how dire it is like sometimes all you can do is laugh (laughs) exactly you've got to sort of let yourself sometimes see the humor in situations not in what happened really but um but also just to be able to yeah like as in I remember feeling really guilty I think when I'd gone out with some friends a few weeks after it happened I felt and you know the conversation is is all about what's you know everyone's been up to or what they've been you know what, you know and I'm just like I don't really it feels really weird having and having a laugh with them felt really like I was betraying the memory of my father but actually it's important to have those 
feelings of highs and lows really to kind of help you help you move forward and surround yourself with that kind of love around and everything as well um and try and talk about your your dead parent um with other people I think that's something which I I never do now I still never I never really do it with anyone other than my my immediate family really and that would be an advice I'd say to people if you it's hard to bring up years later so from the get-go if you want to say oh yeah you know just because they're gone doesn't mean they you can't talk about they oh yeah we went you know my dad did that one day or my you know we went on holiday with my dad about that at some time or he used to love that favorite tv show like I could just never do it and I would say that would be a sort of recommendation to anyone to try and you know do that from the beginning because it's much much harder to bring it up a lot later and it's sort of nice to keep your keep their memory alive um yeah for you yeah so important I yeah I agree and you know I feel like especially for you you know I don't think I don't think never feel like it's too late to bring it up with your friends because I feel like you know you having those conversations with them might actually be able to be able like we'll prepare them for what will inevitably happen to them you know everyone's gonna lose a parent at some point and I think the earlier that people can start having those conversations the better to even if you're kind of just like passing on the way that you experience grief can just help somebody else prepare for it a little bit more absolutely yeah and like yeah absolutely you hit the nail on the head everyone's gonna have to go through grief right? everyone's gonna have to lose their parents or some other form of grief right um it's interesting that you know, I'm just sort of talking about what we're going through at the moment in the world. It's interesting because what with the current pandemic, with COVID-19 and everything, it's there's a lot of grief going on in the world at the moment. And it's really hard to see. And it's really it's really bringing up some, you know, feelings to my surface of, of grief as well when I'm hearing about what's going on with other people. Thankfully, no one I know um, is affected at, at this stage. But it's interesting because suddenly now everyone is actually scared for their loved ones people probably were a little bit before but everyone is and there's a bit more conversation going on um yeah at the moment more than ever before with with the people that I know and it's it's I'm not again I'm not trying to make a positive out of negative but it's slightly enlightening to be able to have those conversations together openly and you know this can trigger this sort of new wave of being able to talk about our worries because everyone's worried about the fact that they one can't see their parents or if they if they did then could they pass something on and they're worried about their you know their mortality and everything and it's it, it's such an interesting time that we're in and I'm I'm thinking it probably may change the way that people talk about things um going forward because literally the whole world is going through it right now every single person we know is going through the same feelings of anxiety and and worry and it's um yeah it's opening a bit of a door really I'm I'm noticing yeah, massively. One of the things that I've spoken to a few few people about is that, like, you know, this whole kind of feeling of uncertainty and anxiety and not knowing what's going to happen next that everybody's feeling at the moment. That is just like a little glimpse into what life is like after you've lost a loved one that's that close to you. Like, it's that. Yeah. Like, every morning after that waking up for months, you kind of can't picture what the next stage in your life is going to be without that person. So it's kind of giving people a bit of a glimpse into what that kind of is actually feels like and also like you said you know everybody is experiencing that at the moment that kind of uncertainty and that fear of losing their loved ones and stuff and I do think again this is going to be a positive thing that comes out of such a huge tragedy for the nation is that hopefully people will be more open in their emotions and in talking about grief which will just be amazing to see yeah no definitely like I've always like I said before I'm always worried that 
I'm always worrying that my mom's going to die and leave me sort of without any parents and everything. And it's like, now everyone's worrying that their parents are going to die. And it's yeah. like, wow, finally, like everyone's feeling the same that I felt for like all these years. And it's, um, yeah, like I said, it's, um, it's enlightening to be able to sort of feel like I kind of resonate with everyone um, even more so now. Again, yeah, it's a, sort of a horrible thing that's going on at the moment, but it's bringing people together. Absolutely. Which is such a positive. Yeah. Yeah, massively. Um, well, thank you so much, Mary, for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. And Thank you. You're doing such a great job at uh, starting the conversation. And I, I love listening to your podcast and I can't wait to Aww. hear more of them and uh, hear your journey thank and everything. You. So, yeah, I really appreciate what you're doing. I'm excited for you to, be able to send this to your friends and your family and for people yeah. to kind of, you know, get to know more about you, which I think will be amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity again for the second time. So I'm, I'm really <laughs> appreciative of that. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dead Prank Club podcast. I so hope that you've enjoyed it and you found some comfort in the stories that you've heard here today. As always, I would just like to remind you that neither myself nor any of the guests that come onto the show are healthcare professionals. Therefore, if you do find yourself struggling with your grief, I highly recommend that you seek out professional help, whether that be from your GP or from the numerous charities out there that are available to you. Please also remember that you can reach out to us at any time on Instagram at DPC Podcast, on Facebook at The Dead Parent Club, and you can email us at dpcpodcast at hotmail.com. Alternatively, you can check out our website where a resources page is also available at www.dpcpodcast.co.uk. Also, please don't hesitate to contact me if you want to get involved in the podcast in any way, whether that be coming onto the show or to write a blog for us as well. Coming onto a podcast isn't your thing. Thank you so much once again for listening. And we'll see you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. Mm. 